Hello and welcome back to the RevOps show, something that everybody always seems to want a lot of, dashboards and reports. They are great to have when there's a purpose behind them, but many people make mistakes and don't really see the why to have a dashboard or a report, which can lead to a lot of challenges. Jess and Doug are here today to walk through creating an effective report and dashboard. And Doug shares some key mistakes that you should avoid while making or even thinking about making them. It's a highly informative episode today, so let's sit back and get into it. All right, Jess, you're looking happy today. Let's see if we can get through a whole podcast without destroying it. I don't know. Are you going to... Uh break the soundboard out because that that will turn that around pretty quickly we don't talk about Bruno, no, there it no, is no. oh my gosh could that have been queued up any better than where it was queued up no it's great it's great now now here's the question are we going to get a cease and desist um oh because of us playing we is, don't have the, uh, the you know for it. <laughs> you know i used to be a member of ASCAP. i don't know what that is um, I forget what ASCAP sounds uh, stands for, but basically, so when I when I owned my DJ company, um, I decided oh. to, you know, follow the the rules because you got a sticker. Plus, I got to have a sticker that said "Member ASCAP." We we talked about this earlier this week. We know how much you love you some swag. So and and, and so um, you know, it, it it's basically so what so in paying them, it it uh, it it made it legal for me to play other, you know, yeah. I mean, technically, technically the, and I forget whether this is re related to the writer or the performer. I, there's so much in there. And, and, and technically those artists had to be licensed with, you know, had, had to, you know, be licensed with ASCAP. That, that, so like if, you know, like if they weren't in the ASCAP program then technically if you played it, then you were. So it's basically how, you know, every time a song gets played on radio. Yeah they get paid something that, that that's where that money comes from. Well, so IP, IP. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Are you excited about our topic today? I'm looking forward to our topic. Yeah. You are. I finally got to choose a topic. So you did, you did. Usually my opinions are ignored internally. There's reasons for that though. <laughs> Every now and then you'll have a blind like flash of genius. It's like I was telling somebody, you know, how I was getting paid to, you know, I do, I do these calls where I get paid to share my, my thoughts with, and I'm like, how my kids and the people who work with me, they're telling me to shut up all the time. So you're going to pay me to talk to you for an hour. Sure. It's you little, got it. It's a little aggressive. I don't think we tell you to shut up. I mean, not in those words, not in those words. <laughs> not in those words. So what are we talking about today, Jess? We're going to talk about dashboards and reporting. More specifically, effective dashboards and reporting. Oh, you totally messed up the topic. Wow, that's going to be harder for me to do. All right. I thought we were going to talk about ineffective dashboards and reporting. Oh. I was going to get to talk about what everyone does wrong with dashboards and reporting. Well, we can talk but about now you that. Gotta, now you're going to make me tell people how to do it right? Yep. You had me for a second there. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, you're gonna make, so you're going to make me work. I am going to make you work. You're gonna you're gonna earn your keep today. So let's let's start with. So I, the question I have is, what does an effective dashboard and report accomplish? Because I think we got to talk about that first. Well, 
Well, that question puts dashboard and report mm -hmm. on that, that makes them kind of synonyms, doesn't it? Okay, so let's let's break them out. What makes a dashboard effective? Or do you want to start I'm with sure report? That this podcast helps us <laughs> in our team recruiting effort because I think people maybe listen to this and go, "Oh my god, I, I would have to deal with what." Welcome to my world, everyone. Welcome to my world. <laughs> so what, where were we going? So what makes an effective, let's start with report. What's making it, what makes an effective report? So what, what's interesting when you ask that question is, you know, as, as I was thinking, believe it or not, I, I do try to prepare for these, um, for these podcasts. And so when I was looking at your questions and I, and I thought about this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring up something that, up to this point, I thought I was being very HubSpotty in that this was a designation because it was a HubSpot designation. But then, you know, with some recent things that we've done and and, and thinking about this, it's actually I, I think we conflate the word report, and I think this is a Salesforce driven thing. We, we equate report, and a report could be a reporter, could be a view. Yep, and it's known as a query in some other systems as well. So I don't, I don't think it's just HubSpot and Salesforce centric. I will, I will say that I see it. Well, I'm, I'm saying it's Salesforce centric because you, because you create a report for this and, you know, to, to get a good view, you create a report. Now in HubSpot, what's interesting is, I don't know why I'm using the word interesting so much, but is if you want a single object, it's a view, but yeah. if you want a multi-object, you have to make it a report, but it's still really just a view. Right. So, so am I looking to get a view of, of a cohort of like stuff, deals, contacts, companies where, where, where I'm bringing information together? Cause I'm, I'm looking um, at to, to analyze. So, so I think what makes an, an effective dashboard, an effective dashboard and an effective report and an effective report and an effective view and effective view is do they make it easier for you to do what you need to do does your business do, do you increase velocity are you able to align your vectors can you right so, so it, it is very much of of what is the job to be done and so mistake number one is i think far too many dashboards reports and views are fill in the blank in search of a job to be done as opposed to delivering on a job to be done okay I mean, the number of times I ask somebody, what, so what do you do with this? Yeah. Well, I review this to make sure that um, everything's been completed correctly. Yeah. Okay, well, you don't need a report for that. <laughs> it's a waste of time. Okay, so so having, so what you're saying is that... You're going to let me get away with that? Just saying it's a waste of time and we're going to leave everybody... Why is it a waste of time? <laughs> so what a good report... And dashboard does is it is it gives you a direct line to the signal. It, it what does that it, mean? It eliminates the noise. What does that mean? It means that there's no noise and there's only signal. <laughs> for for those of us if you go, who are too young to remember signal versus noise, let's let's well, well hold on a second. Let's not let's not say that signal and the noise isn't used regularly here, but I mean if you go back to the old old days when of radio. The signal was what someone was saying and the noise was the static or other radio band communication that came through. And, and so 
you know, the signal is what matters. The noise is everything else. Actually, great book that just came out by one of my favorite um, behavioral psychologists, behavioral economic, uh, economist, Daniel Kahneman. The book is called Noise. Um, and it's all about this, that, that so much of what we do is is overloaded by noise. Um, that that's why we do so many stupid things. So what a good report does is it gives you the signal. So if I have a report to make sure that things are filled out correctly, I'm filled with noise because unless 98% of what's in there is incorrect. And, and by the way, if 98% of the data in a report was incorrect or 98% of the data in a view yeah. was incorrect, you'd have a hard time identifying it because you'd be overwhelmed by incorrect data, right? So, you know, I want to make sure that all the properties have been filled in. Okay, then I don't need to look at all the properties that have been filled in. What I can do is I can create an exception report. Yep. Or I could create an exception notification, right? Like, like why, you know, so, so I'm, I'm looking to make sure that is not an action. How do you use this report? Well, I want to make sure. Well, yeah. I want to understand. Well, I want to show somebody what, what they're doing this year versus last year. Okay, why? What are you going to do with that information? How are you going to use it? Now, there, you know, some reporting is to say everything's good. How is that different than than a report that been saying that the report, uh, like to make sure data is input right? Or how is that different than, you know, looking at last year versus this year? What What are you looking at for last last year versus this year? So, what are you looking at when you say everything's good? Well, what we, you know, if I'm saying so, so here, here's how I look at things. I, I, I look at the world as in norm. So, so hypothesis, action, mm -hmm. result, assess, learn, hypothesis, action. In the hypothesis, you need to have an expected result. Mm -hmm. So, I expect that you know. So we're going to be. I expect that we're going to be up thirty percent this year over last year. Mm -hmm. And that means that that on a low end, I expect to be, you know, so as long as we're at least 20% ahead. Yep. As long as we're between 20 and 40% at any given time, then that's in expectations. That's that's in norm. If we're below 20% or above 40%, then that's outlier. Yep. So if I'm looking at it, and, and, and in essence, what that report is designed to do is to confirm in action, right? Okay. So... But, it, but if I don't have a hypothesis, you know, hey, you had 17, you have 17 opportunities. Jim has 17 opportunities today. What does that mean? He has 17 opportunities in his pipeline today. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. Okay. Does it mean anything more if he had 15 last month and he has 17 this month? Does it mean more? I don't know. <laughs> what, what do you need to know? I need to know what our goal is for the opportunity. What should that, he have in his pipeline? Yeah. What should he have? Yeah. Right. So if Jim should have 20 and he's at 17 right now, he's at, he, he's, he's at an 85% index. He's at 85% where he should be. Yeah. Right. Now, if he had 15 last month, okay. He went from here to here, but what if Jim should have 10? Well, 17 might not be good if sh Jim should have 10 because that's almost double what he should have. So how's he going to be able to handle 17? Right. See, so that, that element of, you know, without a hypothesis, data is just noise. So is that the problem that people don't start with a hypothesis in mind? That's one of the problems. 
Is there a difference between what we're trying to accomplish with a specific report versus a specific dashboard? Like, is your goal for a dashboard different than your goal for a report? Yeah, the, the confusing thing here is that, you know, especially in the world of HubSpot, a dashboard is comprised of quote unquote reports. Right. Um, so a dashboard, I mean, where does the term dashboard come from? It, it's a plane analogy, right? It's flying the plane. The pilot has a dashboard. Yeah. How many dials does the pilot have on their dashboard? I have no idea, but it's a lot. It's a lot. Right? <laughs> now, why does the pilot have a lot of dials on its dashboard, on their dashboard? Make sure the plane's doing what you need the plane to be doing. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> the reason they have a lot, of, a lot of dials on their dashboard is because technology didn't exist. The technology didn't exist. Oh. Right? <clears throat> it, now, if you look at their dashboard, you'll see that those dials have different sizes. And, and I forget the exact details, but it was some, it's somewhere between three and five of the dials. So there might be 50 dials on the dashboard. Mm -hmm. at, at any given time, you know, the three to five are what they're paying attention to. When one of those dials shows out of norm, then they have to dig deeper. So if, if the pilot's dashboard were invented today, their, their dashboard would only have a few dials on it and when it went out of norm, it would then dig to the specific dials. Ah. But because everything had to be laid out, right? right you, you know, you, I couldn't dig into, you know, we couldn't dig into the report, you know, so, so most of those dials are never looked at in a flight, right? Then there are also some dials. So it's so like the dashboard is, it's a flash report. It's a quick view at, at the interrelatedness of something, right? And, and, and here again, it should be, <clears throat> either general, you know, where are we on course, off course? What, what's the strength of weakness? What's the trend, right? You're looking for very broad brush strokes in a dashboard. Mm -hmm. Then as you go deeper into that dashboard or deeper into reports, you now get to specialized functions. So now I'm landing. Well, now the altimeter really matters. When I'm cruising, the altimeter doesn't really matter that much. Am I at 33,000 feet? Am I at 37,000 feet? Right. It doesn't really matter, right? Um, when I'm at 100 feet, it really matters. Yep. Right? And, and, and so here again, what, what, you know, what's the job to be done? So as you move from dashboards to reports, you're, you're beginning to, to dial in that, you know, what's the behavior that you're supporting here? What's happening? What's going on? Sure. All right, so, do so this, the, right, you have to have clear business process. I knew we were I knew we were going to hit on that at some point during this conversation. <laughs> so that that kind of goes with what I'm what I, I think that might be the answer to what I'm about to ask. But how so how do you how do you put together a strategy for effective for an effective dashboard? Let's start there. You have activities. Mm -hmm. I call them efforts. You have outcomes. Those are controllable elements not wholly controllable, but let's say highly influenceable. Um, and then you have results. So you have efforts, outcomes, results. The problem with efforts slash activities is all they do is measure activity. Um, <clears throat> so it doesn't, it doesn't, um, you know, it, it, I can have lots of, I, I can make a thousand calls today. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean I've gotten any closer you know, that's why, you know, one of our, you know, one, one of our key metrics is meaningful conversations. 
Right. Now, meaningful conversations is going to be heavily influenced by how many calls you make, right? And by the quality of the calls, et cetera. And a meaningful conversation has a causal relationship. Not, not, not 100% causal, but it has a causal relationship to the outcome that we're looking for, which is an advanced sales opportunity. Um, so what are, what are the results that you want? The problem with results, closed business is A, it's a rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. B, it, you don't have control over it or you don't have as much control over it as you should. So, so again, right. for example, I can do everything right. You know, if, if the economy were to go into the tank, my sales are going to go down. Yeah. Right. Um, so, it, so it doesn't really give me, like, it's not particularly actionable. Mm-hmm. What, what is actionable is, is, is that causal element. Right. And, and so there's an element that you need to know both. Right. I'm not saying lagging indicators don't matter at all. They do. Right. And, and, and there's a place for that. Um, and so I want to be able to get a quick at a glance. Where are we? So like, you know, if you look at our sales overview dashboard, it's got our report for, um, you know, revenue one by type of, of solution. We also track by number of, so I don't get lost in just revenue. I want to you know, because I would say to a large degree, I have far more control over the number of opportunities that I get yeah. than how big that opportunity is, right? So so if I'm yeah. like, so if my pipeline jumped to a million dollars because I just got a $900,000 opportunity, you know, and I just look at a million dollars, that's hiding something, right? So, so I'm looking at both because I want to see a balance there, right? I'm looking at how many new um, new opportunities in our lead management pipeline. So that's our sales development pipeline. That's basically first conversations mm-hmm. or, 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 or first, in, first meaningful engagements with what we think is a fit, right? Now, I know a lot of those are going to be, you know, they're not going to turn out, right? But I want to yep. see that, you know, and by the way, I want to see that growing at a rate faster than I'm seeing my closed business grow or... I'm going to be surviving only on better conversion, right? And 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 so I've got like five metrics on there that that are, you know, trailing indicators on one hand. Although I would say lead management is a is a leading indicator, right? Mm-hmm. New sales ops created as a leading indicator. Yep. Um. So so I'm creating some of that constraint that gives me a good feel of of where I am now. Over the weekend, by the way, I just created a new dashboard on this. You know, and, and, and last year when we started seeing, you know, not only did we beat the, the 2021, was, was it performing ahead of 2020, which we fully expect would be the case, but it started lapping 2020. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, you remember we went into, okay, hold on, you know, this, this is going to begin to run away. We better get in front of it. Right. Yep. So, so we saw that. And, and now what I began to notice is that there's a little bit of the plot that I'm losing in terms of only being able to see this year versus last year. Yeah. So I don't even think you, I don't think I've even shown you this yet, Jess. No, you haven't. I created those key metrics and I now have a trend. Um, I have an historical trend that typically goes back to 2019 and lets me look at it on a month by month basis as, as opposed to a cumulative year over year. So I can take a look at wait, our, our, cause I like felt like January was kind of slow. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know I'm laughing because 
like I know you guys didn't feel like January was kind of slow. So crazy, but no, actually, I'm starting to feel. I think we feel it a little later than you, but I'm starting to feel a little bit of the slowdown. Um, And and so I would have been, you know, and 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 sure enough, we closed about half of our average last year, half of our monthly average in January. But we also hit a high water mark on new lead management opportunities. Oh, interesting. Right. So I'm like, okay, now I have to see how they pan out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also saw that that our 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 deal size cohort were, you know, we've got a couple that have that are that are in our much higher band, but like what's missing, we're not getting a lot of middle band. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm able to, you know, so again, those are things that I'm able to see. That, right. that enable me to look and go, okay, does this need to dig in? Now I'll tell you nine times out of 10, probably more than that, probably 9.9 times out of 10. When I look at that dashboard, my takeaway is keep going. Yeah. Right. Don't do anything. Um, th- those are my, you know, that, that's an example of my in norm dashboard. Yep. Right. Now, if I start seeing something that begins to go out, that that's where my reports come in. So again, how do you how do you go about designing that? You got to be clear on you know what what are the key inflection points of of your process? What leads to the outcomes? And and look, are we a hundred percent on point to what leads to the outcomes? No. No. Are we better than we were three years ago? We're a lot better than we were three years ago. Well, and that goes back to the hypothesis piece, right? Like a lot of that, you you have a hypothesis of what's driving those outcomes. You test that hypothesis, iterate, continue. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's interesting because I think, I think it's one of the hardest things for, for us to articulate. And it's certainly the hardest thing for, for clients to get their heads wrapped around, but why, why is it so hard to put an effective dashboard together? I mean, so one thing is we hit on the, the hypothesis piece. I, you know, I think people aren't paying attention enough to um, outcomes and results, but I, I think they end up resulting more than, paying attention to the actual results, but what are, what are some of the other challenges that you see when trying to put an effective dashboard together? Well, I mean, the, 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 so there's, there's the challenge of putting an effective dashboard together um, and putting effective reporting together. And then there's the challenge of actually utilizing it, um, which leads to, and and the challenge of utilizing it is, is a lot to do with why the mistake that I'm going to talk about in putting them together is such a big mistake. And that is the most, the most common mistake I see is too many dashboards, too many reports. Far too many dashboards, far too many reports. Um, dashboards and reports that are so overlapping, it, it makes me, it, you know, it makes me sick. I mean, we're, we're working with somebody right now where we're going through their 300 reports that they want recreated. Yeah, I'm it's like, funny. Uh, the, the Brad who's building them actually had the same thought that you did. Like, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of overlap <laughs> I can't remember the word he used, but, but there's a lot of overlap here. But, but if you're tracking 300 reports, you're not tracking anything. If everything right? is important is important. Nothing is a wise woman once said. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's even, you know, it's even beyond that. By, by the way, I, yeah. I'm going to tell you in my, in my experience, having too many reports is have is worse than having too few. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can see that. Cause you, cause you can't even, you don't even know what to pay attention to. Cause there's so much is that like, you can't see the forest for the trees. There's some of that mm-hmm. to the number, you know, so when you put, if I ask you, what do you think of this? What are you going to do? I'm going to look at it and tell you what I think of it. <laughs> no, 
No, I need to know, like, I, I would need more no, context. You're going to look at it and you're going to come up with something that you think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How often do you tell somebody what they think of it, that your real honest answer, the honest answer is, I don't think anything. Yeah. Right? That's the reality. I don't think anything. Yeah. It, it, it's why focus groups are so bad. I, show, I, I come up with my new ad and I show it to you. What do you think of this? Well, well, guess what? That ad, when it shows up, no one's going to be looking to think of it. So if yeah. I have to ask you what you think of it, right? So one, when I put a stimulus in front of you, I'm, I'm creating an environment where you want to respond. Yep. Right? So if I put data in front of you, you're going to think, what do I need to do? Yeah, it's why, it's why with the... Something. Yeah. Because yeah. by the way, if I give you this report and you look at it and you go, okay, here. Yeah. How do I feel? What do you, what do you mean? Okay. Right. If I put data in front of somebody, they're going to want to do something. <laughs> I'm laughing. Cause like we've run into this on the content side all the time. It's why, it's why like everybody wants to edit a blog to death. Right. And you know, when I was, when I was a financial advisor, I, I realized the the greatest advantage the greatest benefit of all the wonderful things that I did, the biggest benefit that I brought to my clients was I made them less likely to do something. Yeah. And, and it is unquestionable that for an investor, the more activity you have, the lower your performance. But by the way, when I would talk to somebody about an investment, like somebody representing an investment house saying, here's this investment, or it, I would always ask them, okay, how's it work? Yeah. Why is it good? What in what conditions does it perform well, and what conditions will it perform poorly? Mm -hmm. And and by the way, if they could, like, I, and the way I would say is, no, so tell me, how do I get hurt with this investment? Yeah. And if someone said, oh no 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 no, that's the great thing about this investment, it's it, you're never going to get hurt. They, I was done. I I I stopped listening to them. Right. But when they said, well, you know, in this type of market condition, when this is happening, this investment is going to underperform. XRZ. Yeah. So sure enough would get into that environment. And it would underperform. It would underperform. And everyone else would be, you know, they'd be going crazy. And I'd be like, no, no, we we expected it to underperform here. Yeah. But, you know, my, my, my favorite um, um, my favorite investment story of all time, the Munder Net Net Fund. So this was a this was a highly concentrated mutual fund that invested only in internet stocks. And this was nine, you know, 1997, 1998, 1999, 2000. And it was up like 50%, 75%, 125%. And then in the year 2000, it was down 80%. When do you think most people put most of their money into the Monday Net Net Fund? In 99? In the beginning of 2000. Okay. The year after it was up 120% and okay. all these yep. awards and everyone wrote about it. Yep. It was like 70, 80% of the money came into the fund after it hit its peak. And then everybody sold. So everyone thought <laughs> they did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, you know, by, by the way, if you looked at its five-year average, its five-year average was still really good. Yeah. But, right? Because, hey, when do we come in? Right? Right. And, and it, it's why people buy high and sell low. Yep. Right? By the way, you know, if you're an investor today, if you're net going in and the market's down, you should celebrate. But what is everybody, what is everybody that's sitting at their desk working and, and the word comes out, ah, oh, the market was down X, Y, or Z today. It's, oh my God. It's no, I want it to go down. You know why I want it to go down? Because I get more. Yeah. Right? Buy low, sell high. Well, we forget that low means there's a lot of craziness going on. That that's why something so simple is so hard to do, right? So so again, I, I saw it in baseball. 
when I, when I used to do baseball, we, we kept track of everything. Yeah. Right. And what you started seeing was everyone wanted to fiddle. Everybody wanted to change. And that's why you got to be really, really careful. Hey, our blog's been up for six months. What's the data look like? Hey, this blog post has 17 views, had 17 views. This one only had five. We need to do more of the 17. Yeah. Huh? Right. But that's what, you know, that's, what's going to happen. Um, and so, you know, we forget too much data in front of somebody is worse than not enough. It's a good point. I want to, I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but I want to ask you about this overlap, uh, piece, like where, where you'll have reports that overlap. Cause we, we will do that sometimes where we'll put the same report on a dashboard because we might want to see that report with, with another report on a particular dashboard, or maybe that dashboard is being utilized by a different cohort than, you know, dashboard B. So how do you do that without creating too much redundancy? That's not what I, that, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not okay. suggesting that the problem is that the same report I'm suggesting that you have seven different reports that are okay. 95% the same. Okay. Or, or you create seven different reports that you could get what you want by filtering, filter. but you create, yeah. you create them seven different times. Okay. And, and, and it's why people hate spreadsheets, right? Because spreadsheets have to be updated and you, you in essence have version control. So, so what happens is if I think I'm looking at the same thing that you're looking at, but I'm not looking at the same thing that you're looking at, chaos ensues. Yes. I've seen that many times. <laughs> So if you, so I want to talk about how do you, like, how do you start? If you're, if you're putting a new system in place, a new process in place, how do you, how, where do you start with getting an effective dashboard? What are you trying to do? Maybe you don't need a dashboard. Well, that, that, that would be crazy to like 90% of our clients because everybody feels like they need a dashboard at launch. Well, I think they use dashboard and report interchangeably. Maybe you they do. They do. And, and, and look, there's an element where, you know, I certainly have a dashboard that's got a group of reports on it because I want to get easier access to the report and having to go to find the report sure. every single time is a pain in the butt. But then that dashboard isn't a dashboard. It's my, you know, it, it, it's five different reports. It's your report receptacle. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, in, 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 in on the sales overview dashboard, I actually added a report for deals set to close this month just because I wanted it there for convenience. Because while I was checking that and, and you know, as we were getting, you know, it, it technically doesn't belong on that dashboard, but it, it, so it's, it's really not a part of the dashboard, but it's on the dashboard for convenience that again, that's fine. I think that's an interesting point though, that doesn't like, that's something I don't know that we've ever talked about before, but sometimes that gets confused with, Hey, I need these things here for convenience versus, Hey, I need this here. Cause I'm looking for a particular si signal and it gets confused. Like what the goal of that dashboard is. Am, am I using it to kind of hold reports that I want to look at and have easy access to, am I using this to, to, you know, tell a story basically, or get, get a specific key, uh, frame of mind about where we're at with things with a particular dashboard. I think that gets conflated with clients sometimes. Sure. I'm sure yeah. so. But I mean, I, I would start off and say, you know, well, what, what, what are you doing? What do you need a report for? What, what question are you trying to answer? What hypothesis are you testing? And, and by the way, one of the biggest dangers about, about data, I find data gives very unreliable answers and it can provoke very, but it provokes very good questions. 
And, and so if you're using data and reporting to answer, it, it, it works some, but that's where we get into trouble. But, it, but there again, you know, what, you know, what is it that, you know, what's the question that you're trying to answer? And by the way, why are you asking that question? I, I've had writers tell me how, how the blog post did. And I'm like, I thought it did great. Well, well, how many visitors did it have? I'm like, why do you want to know? Because I want to know how it's doing. Yeah. I think it's doing great. But how many visitors does it have? Guess what? I don't want you to know how many visitors it has. But why don't you want me to know how many visitors it has? Well, because I don't want you to write or I don't want this type. I don't want it to be written for visitors. Like, that's not what I'm, right? So, so again, what, what am I trying to do here? But, you know, what, what's the question that you have? What's the hypothesis that you're testing? What's the action that you're looking to be able to take? I, I think that's good too, because we've, we've had that conversation internally and that was a big sea change for the team. Like you think about looking at data, what questions does it prompt versus what questions does it answer? Um, we had talked about that a lot a few years ago when we were looking at dashboards and everybody was trying to, first of all, they didn't even have the question in their mind, I don't think, but second of all, they were trying to like figure out answers from the data versus clean the questions. And I think that's, that's a struggle. Now, a dashboard as a dashboard, I look at a dashboard as a flash report the ability to see multiple checks in a, in a concentrated area to get a sense for health and, and health is in norm out of norm. Gotcha. So why, why do you think there's such a focus on dashboards and reporting And I'm, you know, I, I'm probably a little tainted on this cause, cause we're, we're heavy in implementations with, with several clients and, there's always this want for a dashboard now. We need it at launch. Why is there such a focus on that? So so here's my question. Mm-hmm. All, think about all the reports that we've created and all the dashboards that we've created. Yeah. What percentage do you think are accessed, let alone actually used, more than once a month? I think the very seldomly. Let's, I would say less than 20%. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we have a couple of clients who have been very, but they had some good process in place and we're clear on what they want and they probably use them, but those are the exception, not the rule. There are reports that are accessed every week, every day. I'm asking what percentage of all the reports. Of all of the reports. Oh yeah, that would be low. Even for the good ones. Yeah, that would be low. I'd say 20% is probably good. Right. Whack. Yeah. So so we're creating all these reports that you're not going to use. Why are we doing that? Right. Why, why, why are we intended to, well, we seek certainty. Yeah. Data is like a lamppost for a drunk. It's used more for support than for illumination. Someone told us that modern sales and marketing makes everything measurable. Someone else said, if, if you don't measure it, it doesn't matter. Yep. But they didn't say because you measure it matters. And, and, and by the way, to actually get the signal, it's really freaking hard. And it's easier to create a whole bunch of different things. And by the way, if I create enough reports, I'm eventually going to be able to find a report that at any given time tells me what I want to know. I'm sorry, tells me what I want to hear. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. See this report. No, this says that I'm, you know, this says that things are, we're okay here to my boss. And then seven months later, it's a totally different. No, 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 no. That's not the report to look at. The one that we looked at seven months ago, it's this other report, right? Yeah. And, and so it's, um, you know, there, there, there's a tendency if we don't know what to look for, we, we create something 
And then it's not right. So we create something else. So we create something else. So we create something else. Because I mean, candidly, it's a lot easier than, than actually figuring out what you need. I mean, I looked at, I mean, I looked at our reports and, and dashboards the other day. Mm-hmm. And I had a thought, we should probably delete 90% of these. We probably should. And then I thought, oh my God, no, you can't, I can't throw those away. <laughs> it was so CEO-like of you to be that way. <laughs> but, but look, you know, how, how many shirts do I wear in a year? I don't know. I don't, I don't mean how many days do I wear a shirt? I, I mean, was going to say. <laughs> what, what's the unique count of shirts that I wear in a year? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to say think somewhere, somewhere between the account of a typical mm-hmm. person, probably somewhere between 20 and 40, depending on who you are. <laughs> and how many shirts do you think the typical person has? Oh, way more than that. Somewhere between 200 and 500. Yeah. Why? I mean, why is Marie Kondo cleaning your closet? <laughs> you haven't worn it like she's earth shattering. You haven't worn this shirt in seven years. Does no, I can't. Do I, but I might want to. Yeah, just in case. Just in case in that instance. You know what I think I is actually it. underrated? Ooh, this is something we should do. We should actually implement a report cleanup process. I, I think what's underrated is um, the process for creating one-off reports. Because sometimes I'm looking for something for something, but just because I look for like all of a sudden, you know what? It's it's too easy. The reason we have so many reports is because it's too damn easy to make them. Yeah, we've we've yes, I I agree. We've ran into this with with some clients where we've actually rolled back uh, access <laughs> on reports because it, because it was too easy for everybody to make them and it was wreaking havoc. Um, I agree. I agree. We should do an audit of our reports though. So I think my big, big takeaway is we've all got to ask what question or what question are you trying to answer? Like, that's where you got to start with. And the business, I mean, we only hit on it once. I'm shocked that we didn't talk about it more. Uh, map out your business process. What's your business process? And then what question are you trying to answer? I think that's powerful when talking about reporting and dashboards and we, we don't talk about it enough. Yep. You know, you know, another reason why we have so many reports and dashboards why? Can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. <laughs> wow. I'm serious. I mean, you know, it, it, because I mean, you, you can think about multiple clients, multiple implementations we've had recently. Mm-hmm. What are your key metrics? Have you ever noticed it's, they have a hard time telling us what their KPIs are, key yeah. performance indicators, but they can give us the list. They have no problem telling us they want to build 100 reports. Yeah. 100%. 100%. But I think that that, what question are you trying to answer? Like, that's hard. That requires me to think. That requires me to, to really dig in. It's much easier to say, no, I want to report on how many calls a rep has made. Why do I want that? Because I want it. Because I want to be able to tell my CEO that they're doing stuff. You, you know, reports are used, you know, again, r- reports, reporting is like a lamppost for a drunk. He's more for support than for elimination. Right. I mean, that. Yep. I, I also think there, there, there's probably a tendency that, that we report to show good news. Oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. Probably, we, we should probably seek to create more reports to show signs of bad news. Because, you know, one of the things that I always ask, too, and I know that we're done, but a, what good reporting does is it leads to intervention. Well, so you tell this story frequently. So I, 
I can't remember if we talked about this in the podcast, but I was a client before, before I worked here. And, and I remember the first 90 day review that we did right. where we had a report and, 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 um, you're like, Jess, I have great news. Nothing's doing anything. We're not making traction. It's like, and, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I have to go. I believe report. what I said is I have very good news. We have not gotten a single download. There it is. On any of the things we are. There it is. And I'm thinking, holy shit, I have to go report up to my CEO that, that this isn't working. And, and you're like, no, it's great news because we can, we can use this and we can start changing things. And we can start improving and we've got real we, data. And no one looks at it that way. Like no one's now, excited by the bad data. We, we, we now know that nobody is interested in what you thought they were interested in. Um, <laughs> and not you, but because um, you weren't the one who, but, but, my, my, but the point I'm getting at is what I want, it was funny, I was going over in analytics um, and they were showing me all the data points that they can give you. And I'm like, okay, but what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't answer the question. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. Like, why do I care how many meetings it takes if, if I can't change it, right? And, and so what's the behavioral intervention? Far too much data that we get falls into the category of it may be true, but it's not going to do you any good. Yeah, yeah. Right. 100%. Like, like I talk to people, you know, I talk to agency owners all the time. We need to track hours. Why do you need to track hours? Well, that way I know if we're profitable or not. Like, how do you not know if you're profitable or not? <laughs> you've got, you, you've got 22 people in your company. How do you, do you have more money at the end of the month than you had when it started? Yeah. If the answer is no, then you, then you're not profitable. Well, I need to know which client is profitable and which client isn't. Really? Do you not know which of your clients are not profitable? Like, we could tell you, I could tell you right now, which of our clients are not profitable and which of our clients are profitable, right? And, 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 and by the way, if I take a look at the clients that aren't profitable in, in, in the moment that they're there, there's nothing I could do about it, right? Because it's something went on. And, and if you want to know why, there's a rationale for why we do what we do. We're, it's working out pretty well for us. Um, but again, it comes down to if I'm not going to do anything material with it, then why am I going to track it? It's yeah. just going to create more noise. What I want to do is identify what are the changeable elements. And, and oh, by the way, if it if you look at your data and it tells you that this is out of whack and you know you went out of process and then if you had been in process, you wouldn't be out of whack, then I don't need you to tell me that I'm out of whack because I already know that I'm out of process. Yeah. Right. And and that's where like the, the biggest challenge for reporting and the way people should look at reporting in dashboards is it should be a filter. It should filter the noise to give you a more powerful signal. And, and that means that less is more. Because by the way, if you're paying attention and it turns out to, to fewer things and it turns out you're paying attention to the wrong things, you're going to realize that pretty quickly and adjust. But if I'm paying attention to a hundred things and some of them are right, well then I end up having to pay attention to more things and more things and more things. Because by the way, the other, and this will be the last thing I say, what's the right signal today doesn't mean it's the right signal six months from now, right? If, if your reporting and dashboard isn't evolving, yeah, then, then you're not on point. And by the way, if that means that all you're doing, again, it kind of goes to force friction that we've talked about before. If all we're doing is adding more reports to adjust to that, then, then our noise factor is growing at a faster rate than our, than our signal factor is. Yeah, that was actually a point I wanted to hit on. I'm glad you brought it up that we that I didn't get to was was iteration and how much 
how how often should we be looking at them and is this a continually should we be continually updating them? And I think you're right. The inclination is I'm going to create a new dashboard versus looking at what do we have and how do we need to modify that for what we need to look at today? Yep. Arnie, what's your parting thought, Jess? Like I said, what question are you trying to answer? That's what you got to start with and make sure that you have a hypothesis. There you go. Hypotheses yeah. matter. Yes, they do. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> and that's a wrap on this episode of the RevOps Show. I'm starting to see a trend here with a lot of RevOps items. The first being you have to ask yourself what it is you're trying or wanting to do. And secondly, you need to map your business process. Those are two big trends that I'm starting to see with everything RevOps related as we get further into these episodes. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about dashboards, reporting, or anything RevOps related, email me at hannah at imaginellc.com or hit us up on Twitter at demandcreator. Until next time, remember, can't solve your upstream problems downstream.